this is um, Graham Tomlin for uh, Godpod number seven, and uh, around the table we have Jane. Hello, Graham. I know my name. I don't have to say, uh, Jane. That's right. Graham. Yes, I am a Graham. There are many. And uh, we have Michael as well. Yes, I never know what to say except hello, so that's what I usually say. Yeah, that's right. It gets a bit boring after a while, but... Well, hello, Michael. Hello, Graham. Good to have you here. And you too, Jane. Despite <laughs> <laughs> my full marmly tone with you, Alex. <laughs> well, uh, we've got some more questions today, which we're going to have a go at answering. And um, uh, the first one, if I can find the right bit of paper here, um, is... From uh, Tim, called Tim, who uh, sends in this this question, and it goes like this, is God fair? That is, uh, does he judge all people equally? Uh, If yes, if he is fair, how can God choose some people and not choose others? Because I guess within the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's quite a lot of texts that talk about God choosing some over others, and... um, uh, he goes on to ask, uh, to ask if, if the answer is free will, doesn't it still seem rather unfair on people who, through circumstances or bad choices, don't get good opportunities to become Christians? So I guess there are probably a number of little questions hidden in that, um, um, in that um, snippet. Snippet, that's the yeah. word. So, uh, yeah, who wants to have a go at this one to begin with? Um, Jane, you were talking about this sort of thing in your um, Monday morning... God of the Bible talk this morning. I was. Morning, you I you were Genesis. I was. Yeah. Um, so it seems like it's you. I should start then. Yeah, why yes. don't you? Off you go. It seems to me, reading the Bible, that God only ever chooses people on behalf of other people. So he chooses, he does choose particular people, particular groups of people, but in order that those people should then have a particular responsibility for making sure everybody can be chosen. So he chooses people for and on behalf of others without rejecting the others but it, but actually specifically hoping to include the others in in that choice mm. Mm. like Israel for instance is chosen to be a light to the Gentiles Indeed. and the church we are all chosen in the Christian church to preach the good news to everybody mm. Mm. so it's rather like a game of British Bulldog is, is it? it? <laughs> you probably didn't play that at, at Rodin or wherever you were. Insulting. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you weren't at Rodin. No, no I was not at Rodin. No, I did not play British Bulldog. <laughs> uh, but, but British Bulldog, for those who don't know, is, is a... Mike is an expert at this game. Uh, it's a fun game, I have to say. It brings out all the worst in me. Um, and oh, no. <laughs> hard to imagine. <laughs> so that you have two kind of lines, a uh, hundred yards apart or whatever, uh, and everybody has to be behind those lines except for one person who's in the middle. Uh, and then when the whistle blows, people have to run from one line to the other line. And the person in the middle's job is to rugby tackle people. And all those he rugby tackles then join him in the middle. Uh, and they then join in the job. They have to bring the tackle appeal until there's only one person left and they, they win, is the answer. But, but election is a bit like that. This is a picture it? of God's providence. <laughs> God won't be tackling people. <laughs> <laughs> never get. Uh, well, yes, no. actually, that's very vivid, Mike. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If only you listeners could see the expression with which James <laughs> It'll be a video pod one day. <laughs> but the point is, you are caught in order to catch others. You are chosen in, or, mm. in order to, that others may be chosen. Mm. Uh, or an electric filing, you know, the magnets is another one. Mm. It p- picks up filings and they then become magnets and pick up other filings. Mm. That's how election works, it seems to me. That's right. And I think it's something which, um, again, Jane, you brought it down in your talk on the um, 
discovering the God of the Bible course. It strikes me re- reading through Genesis, you get all these different choices that God, you know, God makes um, in his creation and then well, in the creation, there's a choice in the sense that you know God chooses humanity out of all the species of the of, of the world. Then He chooses Abraham out of all the families of the world. Or even before that, He chooses sort of Abel's sacrifice over Cain's, and He chooses Abraham out of all the families. And He chooses Jacob and not Esau. And He chooses um, Isaac. And there's all these choices made all the way through. But I think I mean, it is interesting that He always makes provision for the ones He doesn't choose, so that Cain is always still looked after. Um, and Esau, even though he's not chosen, still he still prospers and he's looked after and he's and God protects him. Um, so this, so it's, it's, it isn't a, a case that God is. Um, it's, it's the problem that later came in, in theology, I guess, when when people talk, started talking about predestination or God choosing certain or election choosing certain people, and they got into such um, tangles by moving from what was called single predestination to double predestination. In other words, the idea that in choosing one set of people. God deliberately unchooses another, or He chooses to save one lot and chooses to damn another lot. It's like a deliberate choice on both sides. It doesn't quite seem to work that way. Yeah, I think election is more about role within the purposes of God than ultimate salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> if you get that very clearly from um, the kind of famous difficult passage of Romans 9 to 11, it's not actually about our individual salvation. Mm. It's about what role does Israel have in the purposes of God. Mm. Um, mm. And similarly with Abraham, it's not that he is chosen and therefore others are not. It's that he is chosen for a particular purpose and a particular role within God's providence. So what do you say then on the back of that, that we, take, we talk of the church as God's elect, his elect, his chosen ones, um, if that is true, therefore, then would you say, therefore say that the church is chosen, um, in, uh, obviously the church is chosen in order to preach the gospel to the rest of the, rest of the world, um, but does that therefore mean that people who are not in the church, uh, who are you know, not elect in, in the way you've put it just now, might also, not be, might also be saved, although not being part of the elect? I think that's what, that's what the questioner is actually asking, and I think he, he or she is absolutely right. Tim, I'll assume it's a he. Um, <laughs> that's that for Christians that's where it should bite Mm, mm. which is um, what happens to people who we don't feel have had a chance Mm. to meet Mm. God and if we are part of God's chosen people we should take absolutely seriously um, our obligation to make God readily available to as many people as possible but beyond that I think we also have to assume that God's standards of fairness are if anything rather better than ours not Mm. worse Mm. so if we think something's unfair I think we can trust that God will too and make provision um, in other ways that are not at the moment visible to us. And we do know that there will be people who are saved, who are part of the new creation, who are not, who never heard of Jesus. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob had never heard of Jesus. Yet we are told that they will be there at the great banquet. Um, so if that's true of people before the time of Christ who haven't heard, might it not also be true of people? If it's done on the basis of what Christ has done, mm. yeah. it, there's no other basis upon which it can be done. But nevertheless, you don't necessarily need to have heard of it to benefit from it. Mm. And that, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't really matter whether we share yeah. Jesus with people or not. Because why wouldn't we, if it's the most fantastic thing mm. possible why Mm. would we not want to share it why would we not want them to spend their lives in knowledge of it in 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 worship of it of him and and also being being part of of that community which is that god has if you like chosen to be his you know the the 
the community that keeps alive the good news of God in, in the world, um, which just seems to be what Israel was about. It's what the, the, the church is about. Actually, it was a huge privilege in being that, and one wouldn't want to deny that to anybody else. Um, so even though you know there might be there might well be people, I think, and that just does seem to me that the New Testament gives us enough hints to suggest that there well may well be people, um, you know, who as in Jesus' parable, you know, say, say to him, well, when do, when did we see you in, in in prison, and when did we visit you, and so on? He said, well, at least as you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. And there wasn't a conscious acknowledgement of Christ there. You know, those people. There may be people who are then included within the new heaven and the new earth. Um, but um, but you know that doesn't mean we don't also want as many people as possible to be part of this this wonderful privilege of being part of God's elect uh, now, people for the rest of yes. the creation. Partly for their own sake, <coughs> we believe it's in knowledge of their <coughs> infinite and eternal loveness mm. by God in Christ that people flourish. So we'd want them to do it for that reason, partly for the glory of God, partly as obedience to the Great Commission. And partly for our sake, that every person one meets who knows and loves God can teach us more Mm. about God. So the bigger the body, the more we know. And partly the desire to see um, the the glory of God lived out in in cultural life, and in people's creativity and people's... Uh, and, and their actual lives. Mm. It, it's uh, another expression of the beauty of God, which is what we're for. But on, this, on the, the election issue, and why, why does God choose some people rather than others? Which I think is a very interesting question, and one which um, you, you know you're bound to, to, to ponder a bit. And it, it strikes me that when I when I read the Bible on, on that, it, God never really tells us why He chooses one over over another, and. and very often it seems that he chooses what to our, to our mind would be the wrong ones. You know, he chooses Jacob over Esau, and in fact Jacob is a much worse character than Esau is. Esau's fairly straightforward, you know where you are with Esau, but Jacob is a very deceiving person. And, and, and um, now it seems to me that there's a reason for that. I mean, I, I was just reminded of, I mean, I think it's Deuteronomy 7, verse 7, where it's, it says, The Lord did not set it, this is the Lord talking to Israel, and it says, The Lord did not set his affection upon you. And choose you because you were more numerous than any other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It's kind of, you know, why does the Lord love you? Well, it's because the Lord loves you. There's no other reason than that. Now, that seems to be the reason for that, is that actually if God did tell us why he chose some over the others, then there would always be a tendency to think, well, God chose me because I'm this or because I'm that. And it would actually begin to give me a sense of sort of my specialness and my, you know, how important I am because God chose me uh, because I'm better looking or more intelligent or... Which well, you are. Which obviously is true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can see that here, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, we've got great radio faces. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's just trying to say, you know, if God told us why, you know, so because you've got this quality over here, that's why I've chosen you. Um, because you're more influential or you're more powerful or you're more wealthy or whatever it might be, then that would be begin to be a, an occasion for pride in the, that particular thing that we have. And it's precisely because God doesn't tell us that we have no basis for saying, well, it's because I'm this or that or the other. That, that, that there'd be a temptation to pride and there'd also be a proneness to despair. Because if it's something in us <coughs> that makes God love us, yeah. Um, then we could lose it. Yeah. We could stop yeah. being it, doing it, mm. <laughs> feeling it, 
whatever it might be. It's the fact that it is, he loves us because he loves us, yeah. that it makes it unconditional and therefore makes it safe, yeah. makes it secure, makes it sure, makes it That's right. unlosable. Yeah. But it's also the, the movingness of watching God, people, particular people relating to God in particular ways, which, which is then something that we can all copy. The, the, God, the people God chooses are very individual people and respond to God as individuals and have their own journey with God, which is not the same as other people's. Um, And I don't think we've got any other way of getting to know God except in our particular lives that we as individuals have to live in company with each other. Which is why you can't compare one one person against another. Exactly. That's right. So just the, the crucial point is that God's election is actually hidden, if you like, not in us, but it's in God. Um, God's election, God's choosing of us is actually something which is you know, if we want to find a reason for that, we find it in God not in us, yeah. that seems to be the crucial point yeah. um, Yes, though conversely if anybody you know, fails to come to God that is not in God but in, but in us Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess that's switching on to the question of salvation as opposed to election well, exactly, two exactly, being, exactly. being different exactly. I think from what we were saying earlier yeah. Yeah, That's true Okay, well, thank you, Tim, for that question. Very good um, and interesting one to, to, to bond on. Anything else to say? No, we, we, we've exhausted that one. We've done election. Well, I'm sure we could come back to it. <laughs> I'm sure we probably will at some other point. But, um, I'm already pondering what the difference between election and salvation is, Graham, that you've opened up there. But let's do that another yeah. time, shall we? Mm, that's an interesting teaser, isn't it? Okay, well, yeah, if anyone wants to ask that question to us again, we'll, um, we'll see if we can... Um, Bluff our way through another one. <laughs> do that one of the weeks I'm not here, would you? <laughs> Well, we're going to move on to um, uh, another a good one here from uh, Rachel, Rachel Randall, who asks what she calls a random question. Well, it's actually not a bad question. It's only quite a good question. And she says she's been thinking about this for a little while, and it goes like this. If Adam and Eve had apologized to God and repented of their sins in the Garden of Eden, would God have had to send Jesus to die for the sins of the world? So if um, Adam and Eve turned around and said sorry... Would that have been enough? Carry on as we were before. It's a very good question, isn't it? Because it, it draws on the kind of other question, the wider question that we often, uh, well, I often ask myself, which is, you know, people people will often say, well, why can't God just forgive us? Mm. We forgive one another. Mm. Why can't God just forgive us? Why do you need this whole elaborate, painful, messy, uh, kind of intricate thing about the doctrine of atonement and Jesus' crucifixion and and all of that. Why, why, does it, why is that necessary at all? Why can't you just say, okay, you've repented, fine. That's what we do in our ordinary human relationships. And I suppose I think that that's to assume that the, the two are uh, kind of the same. Hmm. Whereas in fact they're not. And in some ways, even our forgiveness of one another draws upon the cross in some way. Uh, and draws upon the ultimate putting right of all things as well. Um, there's a wonderful bit in a modern novel uh, called Year of Miracle, of, Miracle and Grief um, by a Siberian writer called Leonid Borodin uh, where a kid uh, is talking to his mother uh, about um, the fact that he broke the gramophone uh, and um, that he was punished for breaking the gramophone. Uh, but then eventually he was forgiven for, putting right, for breaking this gramophone. And he asks, um, how could you forgive me, given that the gramophone was still broken? Mm. Uh, 
And I think there's some sense in which you can only forgive because all things are going to be put right. And, and you draw on that future reserve of the putting mm. right of all things mm. um, in order to be able to forgive now. And forgiveness doesn't mend the gramophone. The gramophone is still broken. Forgiveness enables a new thing to start afterwards. Um, so even if Adam and Eve had said sorry, something would still have changed yeah. in their relationship mm. with each other and with God. Um, to the extent that it would probably, and obviously this entire speculation, still have been necessary yeah. for God to come as a human being to show how human beings and God can be drawn together. Yeah. It's, a, it's a bit like, you know, like you say, it's, it's the idea of, 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 you know, we forgive each other, so therefore why can't God forgive us? I think the other difference between that is that we, f- we forgive each other because we're equals and because we're, we're both sinners. I, you know, I can't stand in judgment upon you if you offend against me because I've offended you and I've offended everybody else. So we, we, we actually relate to each other. Exactly. Mm. And so therefore we can't, we have, I have no right to withhold forgiveness from someone else simply because I'm, I'm a sinner. I need, I'm, in, I'm in need of forgiveness from other people. So therefore how can I withhold it from someone else? But when we're dealing with God, it's different. We're dealing with someone who is not on the same level with us, not in the same boat. Mm. And therefore that's one crucial difference. I think another crucial difference I think is is that, and again, in our own experience, when we, when we, you know, when you tread on someone's toe or you bump into them in the, in the, in the bus or something like that, you say, "Oh, sorry," you know, and it doesn't matter that much because it's a trivial and it wasn't intentional thing. in the first place. That's right. Yeah, but you know, when you know, when someone breaks up someone else's marriage or abuses someone else's child or something, you know, that's really, really serious, a kind of trivial, "Oh, I'm sorry," doesn't quite do it. Mm-hmm. There's something deeper has happened, mm. and that needs to be healed. And um, I guess that's the that's the point. I mean, I'm just reminded that there's a bit there's a bit in um, Saint Anselm wrote this great treatise back in the 12th century called Cur Deus Homo, and um, why did God become become man? And it's this kind of conversation between this chap called Bozo, which <laughs> <laughs> so I think is a great name, <laughs> and he's um, Bozo and Anselm. And, Bozo is the kind of the stooge in this. In this um, Obviously. Just to interrupt, <laughs> yeah. In Canada, the word Bozo is, is a name for... A stooge. Well, for, for a complete twit. Well, yeah. that's right, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's named after Bozo got, Clown, but I don't think it's named after that. Bozo from Curdeus <laughs> Homer. I'm sure it is originally. Well, that's yeah. where it came from, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This great <laughs> comedy writer was... Do keep going, don't be put off. That's right. Um, but there's a bit where, where Bozo is sort of saying to Anselm, well, you know, same question, well, why... You know, if 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 we've you know if we've done something wrong, we just apologise, and you know why do we, why do we need all this extra extra stuff? And and um, and Anselm just has this great line. He just says, um, "Have you not yet considered what a heavy weight sin is? Because actually, sin is something much more serious than you've ever seen. It's not just a minor little offence that you can just say sorry and forget about. This is something that has fractured the whole the whole universe. And it's, again, it's a bit like someone has has." Um, you know, broken a, a file of a deadly virus into the world. They might say, oh, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> but <laughs> but it doesn't sorry doesn't quite cut it. That's doesn't right. That way. No. It doesn't actually <clears throat> heal the damage that's been done. Now, it's an important step for healing the, the, the damage that's been done. Um, but those kind of images help us to understand mm. what's going on here, mm. I think. We, we tend to think that sin is something that you do, and it doesn't affect who you are. But actually, it's not that simple, is it? Mm. And we slightly glibly talk about hating the sin and loving the sinner. 
But actually, it's much more intertwined than mm. that. It's much more... It, what we do affects us. I remember the bit in um, Four Weddings and a Funeral where Carrie is talking to Charles uh, in the cafe in Islington, I think it is, um, about her 32 sexual partners or whatever, as if it didn't impinge upon her at all, didn't make any difference to who she was, so she could go just as freely into the next one as she had gone into the first one. But you can't. It changes you. It affects you. Uh, And actually, so does sin. Sin changes who you are. And that's why I think the... Uh, current Anglican confession is quite good, you know, to amend who we are. Mm. Um, the, 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 it's only the cross that enables us to separate sin from sinner, uh, to extricate those things that we have done wrong from who we are and from our life histories and from our beings and from our identities. Mm. Somehow they have to be wrenched apart. Mm. And just apologising doesn't do that. Mm. It enables God to apply the cross to it. Mm. And that's hugely significant. But you still need the cross to, to extricate us from the things mm. that we've done. Yeah. I suppose serious forgiveness always costs, doesn't it? I mean, it's never cheap. Um, and that's the, that's, that's the problem, I think, with saying, well, if, if, as long as we say sorry, we should just, just say, okay, no, that's, that's all right, just get over it. Um, but you don't get over it because, because it, to forgive actually means. In a sense, you know, denying or you're denying yourself the right to revenge or the right to um, to hold a grudge or, or the mm. right to keep on this 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 sense of hurt, and actually to give up that is hard. It's very hard to do. It it's means you are committing yourself to trying to start a new way of yeah. relating yeah. to the person who's hurt you, and that yeah. is incredibly difficult. That's right, and it's kind of choosing to live as if this thing, well, it's not going to come between us. You know, I mean, forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not, you know, I've forgotten this thing has happened because sometimes we just can't forget something has happened. But actually, we we choose to say, that, okay, this shall not come between us. That's what God does to us. It seems to me, He He says to us, okay, you've sinned. It's not that I've forgotten you sinned, or I've, I've, you know, just just blind to it. But I will choose because of Jesus to treat you and to relate to you in a way that this does not come between us. And and, and so that it seems to me that that pain that's involved in, in forgiveness that we know. Is part of what, what is expressed in the cross that, that for God to forgive us costs him. And I think it's it's an easy one for us to talk about around this table. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm assuming that you two haven't got dreadful, um, hidden, unforgiven things in your past. But Do you people, not see my CV. <laughs> <laughs> but people have, and I think Christians can talk yeah. about forgiveness as so though it's an easy thing to do. And yeah. I don't know how, in the face of the cross, yeah. we can talk about it as an easy thing yeah. to do. Yeah. And I think it's also worth saying that there are some situations where. Is where to say I will not let this come between us is a future looking event mm. rather than an immediate one mm. there are some situations in which actually it is going to come between us yep. um, you know if, if somebody's been abused or whatever mm. it may not be right to restore a relationship mm. in, or possibly. in this life yeah. 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 what you're saying again you're drawing on the future you're, putting, you're drawing on the future reconciliation of all yes. things and saying, okay, ultimately I, do, I don't want this to come between us. Yep. For, for the time being, of course... You may not even be able to say that. You may only be able to say, ultimately, I believe that God will ensure that this doesn't come between us. Ultimately, yes. in God, we will be reconciled. Yes. But I think some people with those kind of experiences have to say, I don't find that in myself. Mm-hmm. And that is part of the reality of the broken world that we do live in. 
Um, it is a process rather than an instant thing, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Although they may have decisive moments within yeah, that process. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more to be said about forgiveness, and um, it's a very, very deep and, and um, profound thing. But um, but it's, it's, it's a good and helpful question to kind of get us, get us into that. So um, so I think we decided it wouldn't be enough, didn't we? That Jesus would still yeah, that's right. Come exactly yeah yes yes yeah this is and still come and still have to die. I mean, he might have come even if there'd been no sin at all. Yes. Just to say yeah. hello. Yes. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> 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 Okay, well, we, we just uh, um, one or two more before we um, we, we wrap up um, today. The first one is um, these are both from uh, uh, Dawn, um, Dawn Reader, and uh, Dawn asks two questions. One of which I think is very straightforward, and the other one is a bit more complicated. The, pr- the first one, which is hopefully relatively straightforward, I'm not sure we can make it complicated, <laughs> is um, why is God referred to as the Lord in capitals? both in what is spoken and written about him in the Old Testament and is referred to as the Lord not in capitals in the New Testament. Mm. So this is someone, something for a Hebrew and Greek scholar, I think. So who's, who's going to have a go? Yes, failing that, it, however, because <laughs> we haven't got one. <laughs> well, um, basically, there are two different Hebrew words uh, that are being translated and uh, the Lord without capital letters translates the word Adonai the sovereign one, the sovereign, the sovereign God, whereas Lord with capitals translates um, the word Yahweh, I am who I am, the kind of divine name. And it was precisely the Jewish concern not to use the divine name. That means that they've respected that in English translations and put a kind of cipher, Lord, Lord with capital letters, instead of writing uh, the divine name Yahweh. You'll find in the um, Jerusalem Bible that it uses... Yahweh, but it's oh. Yahweh God, uh, where we have the Lord God um, in, our, in other English translations. Oh. Um, so it's just, and I suppose the name is a way of saying I am who I am. I cannot be defined by anything mm. other than myself. Yeah. Uh, rather like what we were saying earlier, that his love can only be defined in terms of itself. He doesn't love us because or anything else. He loves oh. us because he loves us. Oh. He, I am who I am. Uh, I am the one who you cannot define except by reference to my own nature and my own character. So in some important sense, we don't know God's name. We know his activity. And we know his relationships, um, particularly as Christians in the, uh, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We know that relating names, but we don't know his proper name. Hmm. Part of the mystery of God. So earlier you were talking about... Um, <coughs> not on this God pod, but on this, this uh, lecture, which we're all buzzing about, and which is why it's coming out <coughs> in this God pod, um, about Jacob wrestling with the angel. And of course, there's the Wesley hymn that talks about Tell his me name to us is love. Yes. yes. Um, tis mm. love, tis love. But love yes. is it's activity, isn't it? It's not a. I but mean. it's an activity that can be said to define him. Yes. Hmm. Um, yeah. The names of God are mm. interesting, aren't they? Mm. In one sense, we know. No, there's not a name of God, of course, it's Jesus. We know that name. Um, and, and, and the names in the New Testament, you know, this is the name above every other name. And um, that is part of the name of the name of God. And in another sense, we could say we know the, ne- you know, the name of God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is Trinity. Um, and, um, but there's always that sense that, it, you know, that, that behind all of that, there is a sense of, of um, you know, we know God as he relates to us. 
And that's, if, if you like, all we need to know mm. about God. And actually speculating upon any part of God that might not be known to us is probably not terribly helpful. So, you see, we have managed to complicate it. We promised we would. <laughs> I know we did. Anyway, that's right, yes. <laughs> we can complicate any question. <laughs> it's, it's also worth saying that um, the old name, Jehovah, is, is a particular way of adding vowels to the mm. YHWH of, of, of mm. Yahweh. Uh, so it's Yehovah. Yep. Um, so that's just another variant on, yeah. on the same divine. And I guess when we get Lord in small letters in or capital L-O-R-D, small letters in New Testament, it simply translates the Greek word kurios, which um, was used for a lot of different... But nearly always of God. Yeah, yes. that's right. There's this wonderful mixture that you always have to have in relation to God, of, of real intimacy, knowing that we know what God has shown us, and distance and mystery at the same time, always held together in yes. talking to and about God. Yes, so do we know the names of God, yes and no? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, which is what theologians usually answer to almost every question. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's true. Not like Mrs. Thatcher, with the, who always wanted to have a one, one-armed economist, didn't she? she on the one hand and on the other. Yeah. Somebody who was not always saying on the one hand, but <laughs> not on the other hand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I think um, we're just about at the end of our um, of our time. Useful today. life. <laughs> <laughs> quite useful life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, there, are, there are quite a few more questions still in the, uh, in the pile. But we'll... Uh, We'll come to those um, next time. And um, so, yeah, I think we're done today. Anything else anybody wants to say, Mike? No, it's been, it's been a pressure. Pleasure, pleasure. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Been a pleasure. Well, really good questions. We are enjoying these questions. questions. Yes, yeah. do keep them going. Yeah, that's right. Great. Okay, so, um, well, thank you to everyone who made this possible. Thank you to the wonderful Keith for um, um, doing all the recording stuff. And uh, Alex, who makes us the coffee and gets us the... Biscuits and food. Yes, and the biscuits, that. By the way. No, no biscuits today. <laughs> She's looking after our waistlines. But we have we did have just lunch, have lunch beforehand, so that's right, exactly. Okay, so uh, until next time, goodbye. <laughs>